Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio, 103.1 FM, 910, 980 AM, or anywhere on the Odyssey app. 43 degrees and sunny here at 410 in Northeast Pennsylvania on this Tuesday, February 6th, 2024. And what do Tuesdays mean? Tuesdays with Tommy. Tommy's our Navy veteran. He was a senior staffer in Congress, and now he works to get the word out to our veterans on the benefits that they deserve and they've earned throughout their career. Tommy, thanks for joining us again this week. Hey, thanks for always having me on, Rob. I appreciate it. Always welcome, my friend. Always welcome. So, uh, first and foremost, do you have any Toby Keith stories in your time in the military? <laughs> well, everyone in the military, uh, especially in Naval Special Warfare, seemed to be a Toby, uh, Toby Keith fan. Uh, great artist. I never got to meet him. You know, I was so so sad. The last time I was in Vegas, we were going to get tickets. It was either him or George Strait. And we ended up going to George Strait because we thought George Strait is older for my wife and I. And I was just telling my wife when we got up and I, I read uh, the news every morning before I get out of bed. And I told her, hey, Toby Keith died. But, you know, that there's a, there's a couple of songs that he did specifically for the military that every time I hear, I turn the radio up and I stop talking. I just listen and I think about them um, because they're just, they really epitomize kind of what we, our mindset was at that time. Um, just great, great, great artists. He's definitely going to be missed. And uh, one of the guys who brought country music back to its roots of a, a little bit gritty, a little bit, uh, you know, mud on the boots kind of uh, music. And I love it. I'm just looking now, and Toby Keith performed nearly 300 shows for the USO. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he was prolific at supporting our military. And I know tons of other guys who got to see him when they were forward deployed. I, I just never got that chance. And now I'm really upset about it. Yeah. Yeah, he's Great performed art. in Afghanistan, Cuba, Djibouti, Guam, Iraq, Kyrgyzstan, and all the points in between. In 12 years, over 300 concerts for USO tours. So incredible. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was awesome that the USO always brought him out, and, and he was supportive to that. So that, that, that's awesome. All right. Well, going to be missed for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. No doubt. So uh, you have three tips for veterans before they go to their VA examination. Absolutely. Um, this is something that comes up all the, uh, the time with veterans. You know, they're going to go to the VA exam, and this is for a service-connected disability. Now, if you're listening to this, and this sounds foreign to you, and you're a veteran or a spouse of a veteran, uh, you need to go to my social media right away and start looking up about service-connected disability. I'm not going to get into what it is, but you can go to any of my social media. I can explain to you what that tax-free benefit is, and you can do so at Tommy Marquez Consulting is my handle on TikTok, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. All that information is there. But for those veterans, the majority of them who know what a VA service-connected disability examination is, uh, they always ask, hey, what should I know? Is there anything? Give me some gouge before I go. And so I came up with three things that you should know before you go to your VA exam. The number one thing is don't lie at your examination with your doctor. The examiner, who's, who's a doctor or a nurse practitioner in some cases, or a uh, LCSW for mental health issues or a psychiatrist. Um, they're going to ask you questions during your examination regarding your uh, 
your physical condition or your mental health condition, whatever it is that you've applied for a VA service-connected disability for. And I always tell this to veterans, don't lie. Now, I always get from time to time veterans saying, uh, you know, oh, everyone lies, they exaggerate. Actually, this isn't true. The actual uh, data shows that most veterans downplay their symptoms. And they go into an exam and they want to sound tough. And there's a saying that we have in the Navy, and that's, uh, it's easy to be tough, it's tough to be smart. And after they get their exam results, they come back and they're disappointed that they're, they got such a low rating. But they never considered that during the exam, they were trying to say that, hey, no, I'm totally fine. I'm good to go. I've heard veterans tell me this all the time, post-examination, that I, I didn't want to tell them, you know, sound like a win. You know, I didn't want to, you know, look bad. Well, okay, don't exaggerate. Don't, you know, add on to your condition, but be honest. Tell them where it hurts. Tell them when the pain starts. Tell them how frequent it occurs. And you don't have to downplay your symptoms to be tough during these exams. And it's just never going to work that if you're saying like, hey, I'm okay, even if you're going to a regular doctor, forget the VA, but if you're telling your doctor, no, I'm totally good, I'm totally good, totally good, then you're not going to get a good diagnosis. And the same goes for a VA exam. If you're saying, no, I'm really not that hurt, I'm really not that bad, I'm really okay, one, why are you there? But two, you're not going to get an accurate assessment when it comes to your disability percentage. So keep that in mind. The second thing where veterans make a huge mistake, and this greatly affects the assessment rating, is that we use vague language. We use ambiguous language. And language is important during a VA examination. For example, many of the conditions that veterans are going to a medical exam for, they need to know how frequent these conditions uh, uh, occur, they need to know how bad it, it is, and they need to know uh, how long do these conditions last and episodes last. So a lot of veterans use terminology that is ambiguous. For example, a long time. Well, what is a long time, Rob? A long time on the radio could be a short time in a movie. The long time in baseball could be a short time in golf, right? So it's all relative. So you want to eliminate language like, a long time, or forever, or a minute, or since my first deployment. Those are all ambiguous terminologies, and I guarantee you the medical examiner is not going to go through your record and try to figure out when your first deployment was. They're not going to do that. They're in a rush because they got to ask you 100 questions in about 35 minutes, so it's not a lot of time. Instead, I tell veterans to talk to a loved one, a spouse, a friend, whomever, before they go into an exam and start using correct terminology. So say, hey, uh, the veteran says to somebody else, I go and I have these episodes of migraines 30 minutes a day or 30 times a year or 30 seconds at a time. Have measurable amounts of time in your terminology and avoid using ambiguous and vague language that leaves it up to the doctor if you want an accurate assessment. Also, avoid casual conversations with the medical provider that could get you in trouble. I've had these medical examiners talk to the veteran, and I'll give a specific example. I just did this video yesterday on my social media. Uh, I knew a Navy SEAL who got diabetes within one year of separating from the military. While he was in the military, he had several tests of high levels of blood pressure, hypertension, all these other things 
this should easily qualify him with that condition occurring within less than one year. But during his exam, the VA doctor examiner said, hey, you know, you drink Red Bull. And the SEAL said, yes, I do from time to time. He goes, yeah, did you know that Red Bull could be the root cause of your hypertension? That could have thrown off your assessments while you were in the Navy. And the SEAL said, oh, I didn't know that. Good to know. Thanks. Later on, he was denied for the diabetes uh, rating because the medical examiner wrote in his notes that the veteran slash patient admitted that his uh, hypertension and high blood pressure results were probably from the Red Bull he was consuming. And that is not what the veteran said, but the doctor wrote that down. So avoid that kind of language. So language is, is very important. Now, the last thing is be prepared. Be prepared to go to your exam. This is important that you show up, not just on time, but you need to show up early. Because at a lot of these exam locations, parking is very hard to find. I've had veterans get towed. I've had veterans miss their exam because they couldn't find any parking, had to park far away. And this is really important if you're a veteran and you have mobility issues. So think ahead about parking. Be prepared to stay long. I've never gone to a doctor's office and they said, hey, guess what? The doctor is actually going to move up because he's ahead of schedule. Never happens. Every time you go, the doctor is behind schedule and it's going to be longer than you think. That, that's every doctor's office visit I've ever had. Okay, so be prepared to stay longer. Be prepared to get there early. Also, if you have an exam where they're uh, dealing with orthopedics, so your knees, your shoulders, and you know you have pain in those areas, keep in mind they're going to tug on you, pull on you, and bend you in all sorts of directions that if you didn't have knee pain before you went to that exam, don't worry, you'll have it afterwards. They are not allowed to give you aspirin, ice, even a place to sit afterwards. They have to shuffle you through. So if you know that you're going to have an orthopedic exam, be prepared with maybe an ice chest with uh, ice in it, peas or something to help you with, some Tylenol. And if you go to a mental health exam, and this has happened to several veterans who have actually called me after they've gone to a me mental health exam, and they're asked specific questions to kind of relive their trauma. Have you ever seen dead bodies? Give me an example of when your buddies died in combat. Give me an example when your life was in danger. Give me an example of these horrific events. And when they have to tell those stories, many veterans get trapped in that wormhole. They, they get trapped in that rabbit hole, and it takes them to a deep, dark place. So be prepared for after you go to your exam for a mental health visit to have a buddy that you could talk to, have a spouse that's ready to answer your phone call. Maybe it's a book or a place to go where you could rest your mind, you could calm down, you could get to a healthy, happier place. And always keep in mind, you could call the Veteran Crisis Line, which is 988, if you're going through a mental health crisis. So you go to that exam, you get in a dark place, know that you could call 988 or chat with somebody on veterancrisisline.net uh, via your phone or laptop or whatever it may be. So you have a resource there that doesn't take you down that rabbit hole, doesn't start you down a path of uh, negativity. You want to be able to get out of that. But be prepared to park, be prepared to be there early, be prepared to be there longer than you need to be there, and be prepared that during the exam, you know, they are going to poke and prod you. They may ask you some very um, pointed questions that are going to make you uncomfortable. Know that ahead of time, and then be prepared to handle all those things post your exam. Great advice. Go ahead. 
Yeah. No, no, as always, I put this information in tons on my social media, Rob. And if you have questions and your callers and your listeners are so great, they're reaching out to me all the time on social media. Um, again, that's at Tommy Marcus Consulting is my handle. And uh, they're asking me these questions, and I'll try to provide them with videos or great advice for free, discounts and deals so they could have questions uh, answered uh, for free on all these types of things. Great advice as always, and that's exactly what I was going to ask you for, where they could find you. So, Tommy, thanks for all the information today. I appreciate your time. Yeah, God bless you, Rob. Thank you. Thank you, my friend. Have a good day. It's 423 here at WILK. Time for traffic and weather. Hey, thanks, Rob. It appears to be pretty problem-free on 8180, 84, 380, and 476, the PA Turnpike, without any incidents in the northeast region or any major backups. We do have some heavy traffic in Scranton on the Scranton-Carbondale Highway. You can expect slight delays as well on um, Jefferson Avenue in Scranton, Mulberry Street in Scranton is bumper to bumper, and heavy traffic on Rudder Avenue in Kingston. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. Nikki Stone from the WILK Traffic Center with your Penteladata Internet Traffic Update. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Uh, this afternoon, mostly sunny, high 42. Tonight, partly cloudy and cold, low 25. Wednesday, mostly sunny and mild, high 45. Wednesday night, mostly clear and cold, low 27. Thursday, mix of sun and clouds, high 52. Friday, increasing clouds, rain showers, late, high 52 again. It's currently 41 degrees here at 424 at your official weather station, WILK. Back in my day, son. Man had to answer for the wicked that he done. Texas find a tall oak tree. Hang them all of them bad boys found him high in the street. Another great song. Two icons there, Willie Nelson and Toby Keith. Whiskey for my men and beer for my horses. With the Rob O'Donnell Show here on WILK News Radio on this Tuesday, February 6, 2024, 428 here. Well, Luke's uh, inmate convicted of assaulting officers at USP Cannon. And this seems to be more and more uh, something that's going on. Federal inmate at the U.S. Penitentiary at Cannon in Cannon Township, Wayne County, could spend up to 60 years in prison after being convicted Thursday of three counts of assaulting a federal officer. U.S. Attorney's Office for the Middle District of Pennsylvania announced the conviction of Thomas Waters of Florence, South Carolina, followed a three-day jury trial before U.S. District Judge. The jury deliberated for about two hours before returning the verdict. The maximum penalty under federal law for each offense is 20 years imprisonment, followed by a term of supervised release and a fine. Waters, 37, repeatedly struck a correction officer in the head with his fist while being counseled for a rule violation January 18th. He also took a service baton away from the officer and hit him in the head with it. The officer suffered lacerations and bruising to his head and face and a hematoma on his shoulder, according to the release. When two additional correction officers showed up, Walters, Walters, Waters bit one of them in the arm and the other in the finger. All three officers required medical attention at local hospitals for their injuries. Waters bragged about the assaults to prison officials and on recorded phone calls. 
Case was investigated by the FBI Scranton Division and the Special Investigations Section of the Bureau of Prisons. Hopefully, they take into consideration his bragging that what he's done, what he had done, in the sentencing. But the problem with this is, especially when you have states and areas doing away with solitary confinement, we're doing away more and more with making prison feel like prison. It's not supposed to be an enjoyable experience. But when you have nothing to lose, our officers are are in harm's way. And that goes even more so for our correction officers who are, are locked in with these inmates. No, I'm not. It doesn't state what this person's original sentence was, what his original charges were. But will adding an additional 60 years matter? And if not, then he continue to, can continue to do things like this and get away with it with impunity because more time is not a punishment. They, time they have. And then you have more and more areas like in New York. They're, they're doing away with solitary confinement. Well, what else do you do with someone like this? I mean, I know what you'd like to do, but in a legal and just society, we can't do those things. And that's this is where I, I like the ideas of hard labor and such like that. But again, you can't force someone if they just stand there and refuse to do it regardless of the consequences. It's as simple as that. It's not like they're being rehabilitated. It's not like they're going to learn something. It's not like they're going to change their ways. These are career criminals, especially someone like this who's now facing 60 years. What, what did I say he was? 37, 37 years old. Another 60 years. And again, it doesn't say his original sentence. So, you know, say he had five or 10 years there. You know, you're looking at uh, almost 80. It's got nothing to lose in harming others. And if you've ever been in these facilities, there are people who, this is their entertainment, stuff like this. They don't care. And this is how we wind up with uh, officers getting critically injured or killed. And uh, something needs to be done. Because obviously uh, additional time in jail was not a deterrent to this individual. It's uh, 4.32 here at WILK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after the news with Paul Michaels. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. It's the point of the show where we honor our heroes here across America who made the ultimate sacrifice. 64 police officers made the ultimate sacrifice on this day, four of which from here in Pennsylvania. On this Tuesday, February 6, 2024, start off with police officer Sean Leonard Slogansky, McKeesport, Police Department in 2023 was shot and killed while responding to a domestic situation at the 1300 block of Grandview Avenue in McKeesport. Subject's mother called 911 reporting that her son was having PTSD episode and was being aggressive. Officer Slogansky and another officer arrived on the scene and attempted to contact the man as he walked away. The subject produced a handgun and opened fire, wounding both officers. The subject was shot in the leg by return gunfire, then fled to a nearby convenience store where he exchanged shots with a third officer before being taken into custody. Officer Slogansky was taken to a local hospital where he succumbed to his wounds 
The other officer was critically wounded and flown to a trauma center. Patrolman Richard John Burchick, Erie Police Department in Pennsylvania, 1991, succumbed to a gunshot wound sustained the previous day while involved in a foot pursuit of a drive-by shooting suspect. He was shot at the intersection of East 21st Street and East Avenue. Police Officer Daniel Robert Boyle, Philadelphia Police Department in Pennsylvania, 1991, Succumbed to gunshot wounds sustained two days earlier after stopping a stolen car. The suspect was found after falling through a skylight into an apartment uh, and setting himself on fire. The man was sentenced to death, but the sentence was vacated in 2015 when he was ordered to serve life without the possibility of parole. Patrolman Sharon C. Wibble, Pennsylvania State Highway Patrol, 1928 was killed when his motorcycle was struck by a vehicle causing him to be thrown into a tree. Patrolman Wibble had served with the Pennsylvania State Highway Patrol for six months. He was survived by his stepmother. And those are our four from here in Pennsylvania. I'm going to have a little personal story after the, the news break about a friend of mine. If you follow me on social media, you've seen me post a picture about a you know, happy Alive Day, 13th anniversary. I'm going to tell you someone that I know very well who's near and dear to my heart, a close friend who had a close call, but thankfully is still with us. So I'm going to tell that story when we come back from the break. Let me tell you about BudgetBlinds.com. Listen, you go to BudgetBlinds.com, you're going to get a consultation with Tom or Rick, owners of your local Budget Blinds location. They're the leader in custom window treatments. By custom window treatments, I'm talking blinds, shades, shutters, drapes, anything you need, they have for you. 90% more options than your big box store. Budget Blinds is proud to offer the best warranty program in the industry, including their no-questions-asked guarantee, which means you're going to save money. 30 years of style and expert service, you're going to take advantage of their volume pricing. You're not just buying your blinds. You're going to get the price of all the blinds they buy for all their customers, which means they're going to be cheaper. Budgetblinds.com, Tom or Rick, the owners of local Budget Blinds locations. Again, they could do a virtual consultation. They can come to your house, whatever works for you. The, the choices you're going to have are outstanding. Budgetblinds.com, check them out. Tell them I sent you. It's uh, 442 here at WIOK. Time for traffic and weather. And thank you, Rob. It looks like 81 southbound is dipping below 40 miles per hour between the Biden Expressway exit and Montage Mountain Road, Davis Street. It's a little slow go up that hill, Route 6 and 11 in Clark Summit this afternoon. And we are looking at an accident that just happened around... Um, Scott Street in Wilkesbury on Wilkesbury Boulevard. So that might hold you up just a bit. That happened in the last five minutes. It's uh, backing things up near Butler Street, actually, on um, Wilkesbury Boulevard. Whenever you see a traffic problem, call our jam line 570-883-7269. From the, pen, from the WILK Traffic Center, Nikki Stone with this Pentella data. Internet traffic update. Thank you, Nikki. Here's the Storm Tracker 16 forecast from Chief Meteorologist Kurt Aaron. Tonight, partly cloudy and cold, low 25. Wednesday, mostly sunny and mild, high 45. Wednesday night, mostly clear and cold, low 27. Thursday, mix of sun and clouds, high 52. Friday, increasing clouds with rain showers, late, high 52 again. It's currently uh, 42 degrees outside at 443, your official weather station, WILK. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. 
41 degrees and sunny here at 447. Couldn't ask for a better song for the Spitfire I'm about to talk about now. A good friend of mine, Rachel Morgan. Um, if you follow me on social media, if you follow me on Facebook, I, I posted this morning, Happy Alive Day 13-year anniversary, Rachel. Moral of the story, bad guy says let's go. Girl, Good, good girl says not today. Good girl lives, bad guy takes a dirt nap. The end. That's the story. I'm going to read the story from 13 years ago. Paramus police officer remained in critical condition in Hackensack University Medical Center more than a day after being shot. Officer Rachel Morgan was shot during a wild gunfight with a 23-year-old Michael Carmati Sunday night near the Garden State Parkway. She managed to get several shots off at the suspect along with a backup police officer who also opened fire. Morgan's bulletproof vest stopped two bullets of the five. She was rushed to Hackensack University Medical Center where doctors performed hours of surgery. According to detectives, the two-year veteran was trying to stop Carmati's car. Authorities say Carmati, a Westwood resident, sped off, lost control, and crashed on the entrance ramp of the Garden State Parkway. He did a 180. Officer Morgan approached the car, and as she was doing such, the suspect immediately opened fire on her. Another officer arrived and started shooting, hitting the suspect several times. The suspect was hit at least five to six times. He was in critical condition and later pronounced dead from his injuries. So there's a picture of me and my, my friend Rachel. We've known each other for well, almost a decade now. Good friend. And uh, today's our 13th year. Happy Alive Day. We celebrate those types of things in law enforcement because she was in a gun battle for her life, shot multiple times in critical condition in an ICU for weeks, and uh, was able to walk out, and she's still a detective in policing today with the district attorney's office. So today's her, uh, for my today in history today, that's it. What some people would call a routine car stop, sped away, person crashed, as she was approaching the vehicle, suspect got out and opened fire. Shot more than 12 or 14 times, I think they determined, at her. Thankfully, she was able to return fire, striking him after being struck five times. Thankfully, her vest was able to stop two of the bullets. Not enough to not uh, need intensive care and in critical condition. As her partner arrived, also opened fire. And again, putting the suspect down. So uh, if you want to see a picture of Rachel, again, you can just Google the story, too. Officer Rachel Morgan, Paramus, New Jersey. And uh, if you follow me on social media, first thing this morning, you saw a picture of her and I. From I, I think that picture was taken two, two years ago. And I uh, wish her the best. Still in law enforcement today. Still doing uh, God's work out there on the street, keeping the... People of New Jersey safe. But, uh, you know, I think it's fitting with what all we're talking about, you know, especially talking about, you know, the officers assaulted in uh, state prison in Cannon, and then the officers we uh, honor that make the ultimate sacrifice. Thankfully, she's not one of those. Thankfully, I was able to text with her earlier today and not reading her name 
as someone I, I knew in my daily memorial there. It's uh, interesting, the things we take for granted. And uh, kind of on an off note here, any conversation that I have with my children, phone conversation, or if they're leaving, I end the conversation with I love you. And they respond back that they love me. And this is with my 27-year-old son, my 22-year-old daughter, my 21-year-old daughter. And it's, uh, you know, sometimes they're in the car with friends and I'm on speakerphone just calling to see how they're doing. And uh, it's interesting because more than one occasion, recently, more than one occasion, somebody questioned, uh, you know, how come, how come your dad doesn't, uh, how come your dad always tells you he loves you and you tell him I love you back? And I just, I don't see that as unusual. I see that as just part of, you know, a father-daughter, father-son, my children, and a parent type of conversation. I've been in a line of work where, you know, tomorrow's not promised. My kids are in lines of work where tomorrow's not promised. So I say it as much as I can, or as often as I can, and I end each conversation with that, especially when they're farther away and it's only on phone. But uh, one of my kids had a great, they were telling me the interaction where they said, uh, you know, hey, when I was in the car with such and such, two of my friends, they said, you know, how come your dad says you lo- he loves you and you say you love you back when you end every conversation? And her answer was, well, how come your dad doesn't? And how come you don't? It made them all think. So, uh, you know, as I talk about these things and I talk about, family relationships and bonding with our children, with our spouses, with our friends and all that. Don't take anything for granted. If uh, Say I love you and say they mean something in your life as much as they can. You know, this morning I texted Rachel and I said, uh, you know, I'm glad you're in my life. Glad you're still here. And more people should do more of that. It's... Uh, 4.53 here at WIOK. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show in just a minute. Welcome back to the Rob O'Donnell Show on WILK News Radio. Um, got some great, uh, great text messages coming in about uh, people who make sure they say uh, they love, their, love you at the end of every conversation with their adult boys. Um... My kids and I get an I love you after every phone call. They leave the house before they go to bed, and they're in their 20s and 30s. Excellent. Excellent. And uh, people are looking up the, the Rachel Morgan story, and I, I appreciate that as well. It's a, great, it's a great story of survival, a great story of never quit, great story of uh, <laughs> you, take, you take five or six shots center mass critically wounded and still able to return fire. You're a badass warrior. Simple as that. Badass warrior. Well, um, the Pennsylvania court system's website was unavailable due to a cyber attack. Portions of the Pennsylvania court website were unavailable due to denials of service cyber attack, Chief Justice Deborah Todd announced Monday. According to the U.S. Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, CISA, A denial-of-service cyber attack occurs when malicious actors flood a targeted host 
or network with traffic until the target cannot respond or simply crashes, preventing access for legitimate users. Basically, it floods the system. The cyber attack, uh, oh, I'm sorry, at this time, there is no indication that any court data was compromised and our courts will remain open and accessible to the public. The cyber attack identified Monday is affecting court web services, including PacFile, the use of online docket sheets, PAEPay, and the guardianship tracking system. Joan Hogarth, Division, of, Division Head of Judicial Services and Records for Luzerne County, said the county was notified of the attack Sunday night. All in-person services for criminal filings were not affected and are available at the county courthouse clerk's office. So just so you're aware that the Pennsylvania court system was targeted for a, a cyber attack. And uh, they appear at this point to not believe any data was breached. It was just a flood of the system, what they call a uh, denial of service cyber attack. It's when they flood the system. So when you try and log on, you can't. When you try and do legitimate business, you can't. So uh, there's that. But this is not the first hacking incident we've had here in Pennsylvania. We've had the wastewater system hacked. Now we have this hack. Are these tests? One can only think, right? Got to make sure uh, we're on top of these things. It's coming up on 5 o'clock here on WILK News Radio. We'll be back with the Rob O'Donnell Show after the break. <laughs> 